Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. We are your Um, (laughs) co-hosts, Sharice. I'm Andrea. And today we are going to be giving you a little bit of an intro to let you know who we are, what we're about, why we love Star Trek so much, and what you can expect from this podcast. We love Star Trek so, so much. Like an unhealthy amount, maybe. Yes, agreed, agreed. (laughs) Andrea, tell me like your backstory. Like, when did you first learn about Star Trek? Why are you so into the show? Okay, so um, my dad, um, who has passed, he was really into um, science fiction. He was an engineer and just kind of had that, like, engineering trait of just, like, geeking out over science and science fiction stuff. So I think he was a big fan of the original Star Trek. Um, but I was born in the early 80s, so it was already off the air by then, I think. Um so when ads started coming out in 1987 for Star Trek The Next Generation, he got really excited. And I know that like they did like a couple weeks of like build up advertisement. So we mm-hmm. sort of knew it was coming, but we didn't really have a great idea of like what it would look like or what it would it be like compared to the original. So um, my dad was into Star Wars, Star Trek. We temporarily got into Star Search because he <laughs> thought there was like something there. Something spacey about that show. <laughs> right. But honestly, the pageantry and the mastery of Star Search really did. It, it. We got hooked because we thought it was like Star Trek. And then we ended up just loving it for like all different cheesy reasons of the 80s. But so that was, I, that was a pretty awesome show. If you <laughs> also had the pleasure of watching Star Search, we go did. ahead and hit us up on Instagram at our hashtag, the TNG podcast, and just let us know your star search experience because it was- Oh epic. my gosh. Yes. I hope it's three and three quarter stars at least. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I got in basically on the ground floor of Star Trek TNG. I was only like five years old and I was there for the pilot episode, which we're going to talk about later. I'm um, all the way through to the end with my dad. And that was like the special thing that like my dad and I did together that was like our time. So that was, that was really cool. How about you? How did you get into it? Was it your dad or was it? It was both of my parents, actually. My parents were both um, really big. Um, I don't want to say sci-fi nerds because that doesn't quite fit, but they were both really into like lots of TV and movies. That's, that's my thing with my whole family. Like that is our one uniting factor. We have, we have a lot of differences. We don't have a ton in common, but when it comes to movies and TV, forget it. Like we've seen every show you could ever think of. That's just our thing. And so growing up, my mom would always, um, insist that we as a family sat down and watch the original series, which was in black and white at the time, I think. Um, or maybe yeah. just our TV was, I don't even know. Uh, cause the show is from the sixties. And I remember telling my mom, like, I don't watch TV that's in black and white. That's for old people. Right. Well, what I was- kid wants to see a black and white show. Yeah. That's I don't know. Yeah, I just I just was very resistant to it. And she was just like, this show is good. You're going to love it. And I was like, no, 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 no. And then TNG came out and I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. Then I was into it. I was, I was less resistant because of the Technicolor. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is well, something that, that a young child a can watch. There's a reason that like you go down the cereal aisle at the grocery store and all the cereals for kids are in like a bazillion colors. Yeah. Because they don't want shit in black and white. Like that's not remotely interesting. No matter how good it is. Yeah. As a kid, I, as a kid, I got really into I Love Lucy, which was in black and white. But mm-hmm. it was because my parents like insisted that I would love it, and then I gave it a chance. But initially, I was like, no way. <laughs> yeah, totally. So I could see not being into that. Totally, totally. And I, you know, it's funny. We're we're gonna talk about in our um, next episode when we go over season one, episode one. We're gonna talk about like that experience of rewatching that, which came out when we were both little, little kids. Right. Um, and I, I honestly like 
hadn't seen it in so long and I didn't remember it at all. And I'm just like, how did I get into the show as a kid? How did I even understand what was going on? (laughs) I don't get it. (laughs) What like five-year-old or, you know, is just sitting there like, Ooh, okay. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Your combat are I'm so totally, sweet. Yeah, I'm totally tracking with all this. Totally. Like, <laughs> I was confused as an adult. So I don't know how I ever got into the show. Totally. But once I was in, I was in for life. After TNG, I watched a little bit of Deep Space Nine. I know we have some listeners who are big DS9 fans. Mm-hmm. Um, I did watch a little bit of that. Um, I probably watched all of it, actually. I just don't remember any of it. Um, and then it was, <laughs> and then it was Voyager. I was like obsessed with Voyager, which I still am to this day. Totally obsessed with that show. And now with the new iterations of Star Trek Discovery, which I'm also obsessed with, um, Picard, which was interesting. Um, some some episodes I loved, some not so much. Okay. But yeah, I'm like still I'm still going along, and they're coming out with an animated series um, pretty soon of Star Trek. I don't know if you really? knew about this. Yeah, I did not know that. It's Maybe new- I'm not as geeky as I thought. I don't know. I mean, I th- yeah, no, I am, but I just didn't know that. <laughs> it's called, uh, it's called the Lower Decks. It's an animated series about Star Trek and it's about, uh, I think it's about some ship that's like not important at all to the Federation. Sure. And it's about a bunch of characters that don't matter at all. And it's a comedy. Um, so Lower Decks though, makes me picture Star Trek Downton Abbey. <laughs> it's like a above decks. Interesting. Decks. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like a Titanic type thing. Is that what you're picturing? Like these are the ones that we like an upstairs downstairs yeah. sort okay. of, you know, okay. we're like, do you still you. dress formally for dinner? <laughs> and is the Dowager Countess still there dispensing wisdom in like the 22nd century or the 24th century, wherever they decide oh. to place, where they decide to place yeah. her. I think they're, I think they're doing the, I just watched a video yesterday. They're doing like the 23rd century or something for this show. Anyways, okay, so um, like three, the next generation. Yes, they did it. They they did it post Nemesis or something. I don't know. So I won't be watching it probably. But <laughs> for those of you who are our listeners who are going to be totally into Lower Decks, I would ask you to email us and let us know if it's worth our time to watch. So oh our email gosh. address is info at the TNG podcast.com. Send us an email. Let us know if it's worth it. If it's not, I'm just going to stick with what I love. Um, and if you really, really love it, we might hit you up for some information about it so we can talk about it in one of our podcasts. Yeah, we might have you on our show if you're Absolutely. up for it to tell us like why other people should watch this show that I'm not super hopeful about. But maybe it'll be great. It might be, it might be totally great. I think CBS is also running with that. I think they're just running with this franchise, so good, good for them. Um, okay, so Andrea found something really special online that we would love to give to you guys and that we're also going to be talking about quite a bit in this first season. Um, and that is the TNG Bible. Do yeah. you want to talk about a little bit about what this looks like, where you found this? <sighs> oh my God. Inside? I want to talk more than a little bit about it. It's like, I can, I can do a whole episode podcast on just the TNG Bible. So the TNG Bible is what we are calling it, but what it actually is, is the writer and director's hand guide or like manual written by none other than Gene Roddenberry, the original creator of Star Trek. Um, he has been the driving force between, uh, you know, in all of the Star Trek universe, basically everything is attributed to him. And in the creation of Star Trek, the next generation, he had to kind of create this handbook, um, for all of the writers and the different directors of the shows and what rules they basically had to adhere to. Um, and it was also sort of a note to like set designers, costume designers, like what he wanted mm-hmm. the show to look like. And they actually stayed very, very true to his vision. 
Um, there's some character growth, obviously, but there's a breakdown of like who all the main characters are, the top five characters, what the motivation is, what the set looks like, what the corridors look like, what the transporter room looks like, what the costumes look like. It's amazing. There's this whole um, schematic of the bridge with all mm-hmm. these like arrows pointing to like, this has to look this way and this has to look that way. It's very really, cool. really cool. It's super duper cool. And like, it was very, so the show came out in 1987. So I imagine the latest he wrote it was in 87, but probably a year or two even before, right? When they were mm-hmm. first creating the show. So it was obviously made on like an old school 1980s like computer. Mm-hmm. And like the font looks like that. Like the schematic even looks like it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it almost looks like it was made with a typewriter, which is kind of neat. Because it totally it's like, is. who remembers typewriters? I mean, like, <laughs> right? You look at it, you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I remember. And this is like, this feels like the part where the page gets stuck and you have to like pull it or whatever. <laughs> yes. But yeah, it's but probably you know, a, an early word processor. We're going to call that um, just originality <laughs> or eccentricity or whatever. Yeah. But um, honestly, uh, there's so much good information on the TNG Bible and we're going to reference it a bunch when we talk about character development and even like set and costume design, things like that. Um, when I, it, it looks so like old schooly because of that like word processor kind of look, I originally saw it. Um, like I found it online and then I kind of just disregarded it. And then I looked back at it even just a couple minutes later and I was like, wait a second, written by Gene Roddenberry. Okay. This merits like a second look. And I'm really glad I did. So, um, we are going to be including that as part of our, um, one of our little goodies that we're offering for our listeners who want to, um, take a look at our website, the tngpodcast.com, And we're going to have it on there for you guys. And you can download it and just flip through it. It's not really long, actually. I think it's like 20 pages typed or something it's which sounds like a lot but when you're yeah, it's, a it's 53 scratch, what's that it's 53 oh is it <laughs> okay so it's, a, it's a few more pages but um it's a few more but it's, it's a quick not, read it, it's <laughs> like if you don't care what the jeffrey's tube looks like just skip that part you know it's okay <laughs> that's what i did i was like yep 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 i've seen those let's go right to characters i want to see the original idea that gene roddenberry had right about these people yeah oh my god it's yeah well, cool. okay so that begs the question then do you have a favorite character? I absolutely have a favorite character. Does anybody who's a fan of this franchise not have a favorite character? Oh my God. And I don't know what you're doing because you have like a cast of a bajillion people. Right. There's got to be a favorite in there somewhere. Right. If you don't have a favorite, I don't know if you're doing Star Trek right. Not to gatekeep, <laughs> but like, I don't know if you're doing it right. Look at the TNG Bible and find a damn favorite character. Yes. Like, make yes. one. Yes. All right. So who's your favorite? So my favorite character is Data. And the reason why I love Data is because, I don't know, I kind of always felt like a robot growing up, <laughs> to, to be honest. That's okay. where it comes from. I always felt like, you know, when people were like super emotional or like people would like just have these huge fits and tantrums, I never really got it. I was kind of like, yeah, it's just not that big of a deal. But, and but so I, you, when people were crying, were you going processing? Processing. <laughs> <laughs> I was going, inquiry. Why, why are your eyes watering? No, no. I am... Um, Yeah. So I just kind of growing up, I always felt a little disconnected from super emotional people. And I felt like I was like the opposite. So I just kind of felt like a robot. The world, the Troy's of the world. Yes. I didn't get Troy and I still don't get Troy. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. Um, (laughs) So that, that's why Data became my favorite. Cause I was like, yes, somebody who's kind of like is looking at humanity, but doesn't really feel like a part of humanity, but they feel like they're on the fringes. I totally felt like that kind of a misfit 
person growing up. And so I just totally bonded with Data, totally relate to him, his like exploration of how people work, how they function, why they do the things that they do. And Andrea, Andrea and I have been friends for quite some time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you know that that's one of my like little passion projects, right? Is to figure out people yes. and how they work. And that came all the way from way back in the day with seeing the way that Data did it and following along. His right. Example. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say Data is my favorite character, but I do love him as a character, especially in those moments where the comedic relief is like so subtle. Mm-hmm. And I love that the show never got like slapsticky because that drives me bananas when shows do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, in a couple of the episodes when he tries to learn how to laugh, yeah, when he tries to um, whistle in the pilot episode, and you're yeah. like, oh. Look or there's you. an ep- there's an episode where he uh, he's trying to learn how to do small talk, and it's just. <laughs> so funny. He's like, I I would like to learn small talk. And they're like, Oh, let me tell you this guy, this guy, he's the master at it. You'll learn everything. And he's just so schmoozy and like, (laughs) And uh, does follow that guy around, like imitating his movement. He does. Yeah. Yeah. And then they start to talk to each other and they're just like in this void of small talk, like the small talk abyss (laughs) that they fall into. It's pretty epic. And like how I learned small talk as well is that. (laughs) That's exactly what I did. I copied someone and just... (laughs) Did the little moves. Yeah. <laughs> so much right. to learn from Data. What about you? Your your favorite favorite TNG <laughs> cast member? Uh, you know, I would have to say my absolute favorite character that I was always so excited to see on screen um, is Q, um, played by the just second to none um, John Delancey, mm-hmm. who, as far as I recall, and I may be wrong about this, so fans don't jump down my throat if I'm wrong, but I think he was Juilliard trained as an actor, which is like extremely prestigious. Um, mm-hmm. And and then I thought, oh my gosh, and here he is like doing Q, but he really does do like an amazing job. And I love that Q, I never thought about this until you just mentioned how you identified personally with Data. Mm-hmm. I identify so much with Q because he's just kind of like a trickster <laughs> and he's always up to mischief, which is 100% me. Like I still call my mom or my siblings just to annoy them. And I'm 37 years old. Okay. So (laughs) I mean, I don't do it a lot, but you know, I'm always doing like little things to like get my mom's goat because she's adorable and I love her and it's really funny and cute when she gets annoyed. It's Um, really funny to you. This is is what's going (laughs) on with Q perfectly. It's really funny to Q and no one else. (laughs) That is, that is true. And that is very Q of me. It's funny to me. So that's why I do it. It's not so funny to her. And I'm like, well, I'm a Q, so I don't care about your little feelings. Right. (laughs) But but actually, you know what? My mom is um, Hispanic, so I don't dare annoy her too much because she'll come after you. So I just, Mm -hmm. you know, I annoy her just a, just a charming amount. And then I'm like back in my own home in the safety of my home, which I can lock the door to. So she's like, Seriously, with the chancla, with that Colombian chancla. But yeah, um, I used to do that to my sister, annoy her just to the point where she would snap. <laughs> and then I would try to time myself how fast I could run away and get into my parents' room and lock the door before she got there. It was a very scary game. I don't know why I played that game. It's a it's horrible a, idea. It's like horrible a game idea. played against yourself, basically. You're it like, can like, I get it? It was like playing, what happens. it was like playing chicken with a train that's oncoming. <laughs> like, why would you do that? Don't ask me why. If you have siblings, I'm sure you can relate, but it was a horrible, horrible idea. Oh my God. Well, that's, that's why I like Q. I love that Q um, just brings a lot of like mischief and he's always like a cat with a mouse, you know, when he has the enterprise in his grip. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really fun. It's very Tom and Jerry. Yes. It's very, very Tom and Jerry. Oh my God, definitely. But um, the other character who I love so, so, so much 
um, is Captain Picard because oh, of course, yes, um, because you have a, to love who, the captains. Yeah, who doesn't love Captain Picard? I mean, again, not to gatekeep, but if you don't like Captain Picard, I, I don't feel like you're doing TNG right. But <laughs> if you have some sort of reason why you don't. Hit us up on Instagram, the TNG podcast, or our website, the TNGpodcast.com, and let us know why you don't like him or what upsets you about yeah, him. Let but us know because I can't think of anything. I don't so see you, it. I don't so see you it. Let me know. Yeah. Yes, he is he's commandeering exactly what you want out of a captain. Mm-hmm. He always does the right thing. He's very thoughtful. Diplomatic. Um, yes. And mm-hmm. he's also like very handsome, which I think the year after. Star Trek The Next Generation came out. He was voted like sexiest man alive, which I could totally wow. see. He had this like very like sort of like intellectual sexiness, which mm. which I think is totally there. Um, but his personality for me is very like reassuring because my dad had a lot of those same sort of personality characteristics, uh-huh. like very um, kind of like abrupt and like not always socially like the softest yeah but there was a lot of thought like deep down like going into like his actions mm-hmm. um which I really really love um I mean I don't know about you but I love Earl Grey tea because Captain Picard drank Earl Grey tea right that is literally my favorite tea because it was Captain Picard's favorite tea and I drank some this morning <laughs> did you I did I did I mean I drink some every morning to be fair but yes <laughs> This morning, it was more, you know, celebratory of (laughs) the start of this podcast. Yeah. And another thing I really love about Picard too, just to hop on the, we love Picard train is I love, it's a big train. train. There's space for lots of people. Um, (laughs) is I love how he always asks his team for support. Like I respect the heck out of that so much because it's really hard as a leader. And for those of you who are listening, who like, you know, you have a team, um, where you are the boss or the supervisor or what have you. It's it's hard sometimes to admit when we don't know something. It's hard to say that we're wrong. It's hard to ask for advice when we think we should know it all. You know, it can play on your ego. But for him, every time there's danger, he goes, options. Right? He always like, yes. what should we do? Yes. And he doesn't always listen to them. Like, sometimes he goes, well, we're going to do this instead. Like, I hear you, but we're going to do this. But I mean, he always asks them. He always depends on his team. And I really, really respect and admire that. Not just of Captain Picard, but of all leaders who have a team. That, yeah. uh, you know, intelligent, competent individuals, when you lean on your team, I just think it's smart. You know what? That's so true. I never really thought of that. But yeah, I mean, like a sign of like toxic leadership is so that like fear that somebody's going to take it away from you. Like they're not secure in their leadership role. And so they like are overburdening to people or they like push too hard or they won't take anybody else's like opinions or thoughts or ideas into consideration. And I love that when faced with this like, very high risk and uncertain decision. He always talks to his like command team, even if it's just for a moment to be like options. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or I'm willing to entertain ideas at this point, which Mm -hmm. I think that is very powerful as a leader to Mm -hmm. feel that you can um, open up the floor to different ideas without being like afraid that somebody's going to take your leadership from you. Right. Right. Or being afraid that people are going to look at you differently or think that you're not a good leader. But instead I think it just makes people respect him more because they know and trust him more because he's going to listen. So he's just like, we only have 30 seconds before our ship explodes options, you know? And they're like this, 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 this. And he's like, do it. You know? And it's just like, it's awesome. Like, I love it. We could go on all day and we will. Um, But what we're going to do now is go ahead and wrap up this episode. Andrea, is there anything, last thing that you want to say before we switch off? Um, Oh, I do want to say um, there are a lot of really cool things that our fans can expect or our listeners can expect from our show. Like we are planning to do um, like an episode by episode breakdown 
um, of each magical episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. We're going to have a lot of opinions about it because Sharice and I are super strong opinionated women, which is probably why we've been such good friends for so many years. Agreed. Agreed. Um, One cool little tidbit, uh, we're both scientists. So as we go through different episodes, we're going to get to chime in with our kind of point of view with science versus science fiction. A hundred percent. So Sharice, what kind of scientist are you? I am a microbiologist. I am a germ scientist, a germ expert. What about you? Um, I'm a marine biologist. um, And I did a couple of years of research on um, invertebrates. So little things that don't have backbones. Like I worked on sea star larvae and um, sand dollars and sea urchins, sea cucumbers, things like that. So anything that remotely has any kind of water kind of world on Star Trek, you know, I'm going to be chiming in on. And I will say, Sharice, with your like germ I'm just going to call it germ science for now. Yep. Let's do that. You are exactly the kind of person that I want on my team when the zombie apocalypse hits or our version of the zombie apocalypse, which is coronavirus right now. When we're <laughs> You're exactly. Like I want to have you on speed dial to just answer a million zillion questions. We're going to be talking oh about gosh. when the heck can we get some hypo sprays going on? Um, <laughs> Cause that would be epic. So like Sharice, how far away are we from hypo sprays? In the I real feel world? like we're kind of far. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> So it's not going to be like, you know, like Elon Musk isn't kind of be rolling out with hypo sprays. Uh, I think he's, like he's focusing on getting us into space. And I think step one, right, is getting getting is normal people into space. And then step two <laughs> will be true. holodecks and, and you know, we kind of already have replicators with 3D printers, which is pretty neat. Um, but yeah. That is true. Anyway. Anyways. So yeah, we have a lot of fun things coming up. Um, and... We would love for you guys to join us, join us in this journey. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram. If you go to the TNG podcast, uh, check us out at the TNG We also are very um, much looking forward to hearing from our listeners with questions or comments. If there are questions that you have about a particular episode or a particular moment in an episode or a question that kind of um, is an overarching um, theme on the show, hit us up at info at, the tngpodcast.com and we are happy to take a look at those questions um leave your name on there and we'll give you a shout out on our next um on our next podcast yeah and definitely even if you're just a super fan and you don't have questions but you just want to like complain about things in the show that you don't like or you just want to like geek out about things in the show that you love we want to hear that stuff too so be sure to send us an email for all that stuff too all right we will catch you on the next episode where we're going to talk about season one episode one encounter at our point Thanks for listening. Thanks for geeking out with us. Bye, everybody. Bye.